they're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes! to off the podium as we are talking to yet another American Olympian here uh, and yet another for the first time in a while another hockey player as uh, we are talking to Jack Wallace sledge hockey gold medalists for Team USA from 2018 Pyeongchang uh, which is really exciting because it's a sport we haven't been able to touch on before and uh, Ben's joining me as well and Ben uh, you and I talked uh, I think before the last Paralympics before Pyeongchang but what a fascinating sport this was to watch that it, it was almost in some ways more entertaining than watching uh, as Jack first was stand up hockey here. I mean, it's just an insane sport to watch, uh, let alone be able to talk to Jack and get some of the details on how it's played and how you have to train for it. I have nothing but admiration for any Paralympian. And I mean, this is one of those sports which I watch and go, wow, this is just absolutely crazy. I mean, I can't skate. When it comes to stand-up, I, I can't even remotely stand on there. I, I I couldn't imagine kind of the skills and everything involved when it comes to having to to adapt to this. So it's it's a great chat with Jack, kind of learning about that and kind of the, the skills involved and some unique aspects to it. But yeah, it's one of the most entertaining sports to watch. Uh, you know, summer, winter Olympics, no matter what it is. And I actually love the fact that in this interview. Because uh, obviously the US beat you guys in in Pyeongchang, you know, over time as mm. we discover, and uh, the, you're just such a Canadian, Colin. It's like if this was <laughs> if this was Australia losing to New Zealand in overtime and anything, we're like we're not getting him on the show, you know. <laughs> screw that. We're we're still sulking. This is oh yeah, I'm Canadian, absolutely well played, chaps. Good job. So uh, I applaud you for your your niceness throughout this interview. <laughs> I mean, hey, Canada has suffered worse defeats in uh, hockey at the Olympics, so uh, it wasn't too bad to go home with a silver. And it, I, 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 I would do talk about it a little bit in here, as you, you did mention, you know, the uh, the Canada-U.S. rivalry, which was really fun. So uh, make sure to listen for that. But uh, let's get into it here, and then we'll come back on the end and tease what else we have coming. Uh, sledge hockey gold medalist Jack Wallace. We're continuing today in our long string of interviews with uh, American Olympians. Uh, and uh, we're actually very happy because today we get to speak to, I believe, only the second Paralympian we've ever had on the show. And I believe also only the second hockey player we've had on the show, which, of course, being the national sport of my country, it doesn't matter to me that he beat my country a couple of years ago. It's, it's thrilling to be able to talk to somebody uh, from the great sport of sledge hockey. Uh, 2018 Pyeongchang gold medalist Jack Wallace. Jack, thanks for joining us on Off the Podium today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Now, we always like to start off these interviews by uh, finding out you know, how somebody actually uh, got into the sport in the first place. I mean, did you grow up a hockey fan? And how did you actually get into sledge hockey? Yeah, so grew up a huge hockey fan. Uh, Devils are my team. I'm, I'm from New Jersey. Uh, and I played uh, roller hockey and ice hockey both as a kid. Uh, but I got into it with uh, my older brother. You know, he, he, played, he played hockey as well, roller hockey. So as a kid, he threw me a net you know, put some pads on me and just shot pucks on me. 
And, uh, you know, whether or not I enjoyed it, that part of it, you know, we'll, we'll leave in the air, but, uh, the rest of it, no, I felt, fell in love with the sport. Always, always been a hockey fan. I played a bunch of sports as a kid too, but hockey was always by far my favorite. Uh, but then when I was uh, 10 years old, I ended up getting in a boating accident and losing my right leg above the knee. And then I wanted to keep playing sports. So as soon as I got my first prosthetic, I tried to throw on a pair of my old roller blades and that didn't really work for me. Obviously I fell over a bunch of times and realized that that's when it finally hit me that, you know, I wasn't going to be, be playing competitive stand-up hockey for the rest of my life. I probably wasn't going to get to play in the NHL like I'd always dreamed. Uh, but then that following summer, I found out about the sport of sled hockey and then started playing and fell in love all over again. I, I like that that notion that we said, you I probably wouldn't end up in the NHL. So it was never just, it, you didn't <laughs> close know. that off completely, yeah. right? You know? you know? yeah, always a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never, never, never say never. But the one thing I, I love finding out about, uh, you know, particularly people in America who get into hockey, because I mean, obviously, you know, Canada, you, you're basically born with skates on your feet, right? There you go. Whereas it's a bit more stacked when it comes to, I guess, the options when it comes to sports in the, in the US. I mean, was there something particularly you remember as a kid that sort of drew you to, to hockey? You said you, you played a lot of sports, uh, but was there one thing about hockey that it was that you, you know, kind of took it above all the other sports? Uh, well, probably the, well, my older brother, uh, he played a bunch of hockey, but you know, at the same time, he also played football. He also played baseball. I uh, did a little bit of lacrosse, you know, so we did all that stuff. And, uh, but it really just the speed of the game, watching how fast it was at the highest level on TV, like being able to watch NHL players skate around at 20 miles an hour and then, you know, shoot a puck at a hundred miles an hour, but then absolutely light someone up at full speed into the glass, into the boards or an open <laughs> ice hit you know, uh, the ferocity and speed of sled hockey or stand-up hockey, just ice hockey in general, really. Uh, uh, it just, I think it goes above and beyond what a bunch of other sports show. And when you're at that age, I mean, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're not quite at the point where, you know, there's uh, national teams that everything you could try out for. Uh, were there regional leagues that you were able to play in? Yeah. So when I started playing sled hockey, I joined a local uh, recreational team and there was a youth league throughout the East Coast. Uh, obviously, as most disabled sports and adaptive sports are concerned, there's a lot less participants. Uh, so the teams and funding are kind of far and few between. So we'd have to drive a little bit further. You know, when I played stand up hockey, you know, we'd have a tournament at, you know, one of the five rinks within 20 minutes of me but when we wanted to play sled hockey we'd have to drive either uh an hour and a half to the rink that was in new jersey that our team was based out of or we'd have to drive to new hampshire or maryland or delaware or you know a bunch of other places pennsylvania uh so it's a little bit more of a commitment but yeah there are local leagues and teams and stuff like that all the same you sort of mentioned about how obviously the participation numbers aren't as big as a stand-up hockey but i mean sort of what what when you got started into it kind of what were were the numbers like in, in regards to that particularly maybe on the east coast of, of the u.s and, and was that sort of the the hub of uh of sled hockey was that kind of where the most of the players were or was there another part of the country where maybe that was the hub of the sport uh definitely definitely not the hub uh as far as the east coast or new jersey is concerned uh there are basically two main concentration of players. Uh, it's really divided between two top tier leagues, the NES, well, formerly known the NESHL and the Midwest Sled Hockey League, uh, the Northeast Sled Hockey League in Midwest. Um, basically, those are the two large leagues with the most 
high level adult teams that participate in them. Now, once you get to nationals and, and events that USA Hockey throws on, there are all sorts of tiers and levels and age groups that go into it because you can get a lot more players and participation when you have everyone centralized for one big event like that. But as far as traveling around and playing consistently, those were the two leagues and kind of still are to this day. It's changed a little bit. But when I was growing up through the game, that was the basis. What's the the training uh, like as far as the transition goes for, you know, obviously hockey players, I mean, you got to be conditioned all around, but uh, there's so much work that will be done on, okay, speed on the legs and everything. Uh, for sled hockey, I mean, it, it looks like it's all in the arms. And I can tell by looking at you, it's all in the arms. <laughs> um, but when you're first studying on like you said, you're, you're, you're trying to put on rollerblades and everything like that. So uh, how long did it take before you got to the point where, you know, you weren't experiencing the discomfort? Because I could imagine that it must be quite the transition to have to be using your arms as much as you do on the sled. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think we've had a bunch of NHL players and a bunch of other people try out sled hockey. And the first thing they say, or not the first thing they say, they say a lot of things, but usually when you hear about it after the fact, they say, I've never been more sore in my life <laughs> using a lot of muscles that you don't normally use, even from, even with guys that are constantly doing weight training and all those sorts of things. So it was definitely a decent transition because in the sport of sled hockey, your arms are your legs as well as your arms, right? Cause you have to skate with your arms, uh, propel yourself across the ice as well as stick handle and shoot with your arms and hands at the same time. So as far as, you know, your grip strength, your uh, upper body endurance, your speed, your strength, all those things. Uh, it was definitely a decent transition, but luckily I was a young kid. So, uh, I mean, I was 11 years old when I first started. So it was more, it was a lot more fun than really training. You know, I wasn't, you know, lifting weights or anything like that. Like mm. most like youth sports, kids aren't, well, who knows today now parents have kids doing crazy stuff in the gym. But uh, when I was a kid, I didn't really do any of that stuff. I waited till I got into high school to start that. Is there a little bit of a learning curve too, about uh, just that coordination of, you know, you're doing two things at once, you know, because, because especially if you grew up playing hockey, you're probably just conditioned to, okay, I need to focus on shooting, but now you got to worry about, okay, when am I going to have a chance to sort of switch that stick in there and get it in? No, absolutely. Great, great question. Uh, that's the one biggest difference with sled hockey is you need to pick when you're stick handling and when you're stick handling and shooting and when you're skating, when you are accelerating, when you're trying to reach your top speed. Stand up players never have to worry about that. They're always able to pivot, turn, maneuver with their lower body while controlling the puck at all times with their upper body in sled hockey. Uh, it, it's a whole different world of decision making and skills that you need to learn, and and it was definitely very good, very difficult uh, to get good at that. And still to this day, I mean, I'm trying to progress those skills just as much as I was when I first started. When I was living in Canada, I think one of the things that I never really appreciated about the sport of hockey is the expense involved when it comes to you know the equipment and getting involved and kind of everything along those lines and. When you add, I can imagine, the, the sled to it, I can imagine that uh, probably costs a little bit more than a pair of skates, Jack. I mean, kind of what, 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 is, a, what is a sled worth and sort of how, how much are you able to, I guess, tinker and work on that to kind of help it when it comes to your performance out there on the ice? Uh, great question. Uh, so most sleds, uh, uh, basic sleds that you see, you know, recreational players using, uh, there's really only two or three different kinds uh, that are the base sled and they're right around a thousand dollars. I think that one's like, it's between 600 to a thousand dollars. But then is, but then when you get to 
the higher end ones, uh, like guys on the national team, we actually all have custom built sleds. So what they do for that is they mold the, uh, basically mold the part that you're sitting in to form fit to your body. And then the rest are all your measurements uh, and, and all your uh, decisions as far as going into that. The basic sleds, uh, they're all adjustable and you can kind of tinker and change. They make them like that. So a team, let's say a team gets a big check um, for the for a youth team or something like that. They can buy a bunch of sleds, but then adjust them for each player as they come in. And maybe one player tries it out, doesn't like it, and then they go back. They don't have to buy a whole new sled for them. Um, just kind of like if, if a player has the same size pair of skates, you can just use them over and over again. Um, for different people, you can adjust those sleds uh, for each person as they go. But then as you progress uh, your skill level and if coaches see any potential in you, then they do recommend that you get a sled that's built for you because instead of having all those adjustment pieces that are maybe more fragile or weigh you down and all those along all those lines, it's better to just have one that's set up for you constantly, uh, which is what we all have on the national team. Just, just saying, um, you know, they, they say I'm more expensive some cars up than some cars I've owned in my life. So that's uh, good to know <laughs> when I'm watching the the Olympics is that. But I, I can imagine then they've got, they've got to be built incredibly tough because obviously the physicality in, in hockey is immense. So I mean, how how long does a does a sled usually last you for? Uh, it really depends. I mean, you brought up a car, you know, sometimes you can brought buy a brand new car and you get it a bad wreck and it breaks immediately. Um, mm. Or you can use one and you kind of get lucky and it, and it lasts, you know, years. I've had uh, the frame, the frame, I've had one last two games before I've had one last two years before. So so it really depends on a your play style, and really just how you're getting hit and and if those collisions break anything. Because, you know, you can use a sled your whole, your, basically your whole career as long as it fits you the whole time if you never really get into a bad situation or someone T-bones you really hard or, or you have any of those issues. But at the same time, you know, I've, I've had a brand new frame, you know, play two games with it and then get one really bad hit and it, and it breaks. So it varies. As you progressed, uh, you know, growing up and, and getting more and more into the sport competitively, uh, once you reach the national team, how does that happen? Were you playing in leagues and, uh, you know, they, they had scouts out recruiting or is there some type of open tryout? Yeah. So uh, basically, as I progressed, I played two years on a youth team, uh, the team that I started off for. And then I quickly progressed. Luckily, because I had been playing hockey my whole life, I didn't need to learn the sport. I just needed to learn the skills a little bit. Um, but then I switched playing to into the adult league, the NESHL, um, when I was about 13. And that same year, they recommended me to go to the U.S. development camp as well as tryouts. So going to tryouts, there is an open tryout every year for the U.S. national team. Uh, and with that, they select the U.S. national team and the U.S. Develop, developmental team. Think of that as like the minor league team that's associated with the national team so i played three seasons on the development team and then eventually made the national team one thing i absolutely love about the u.s is that there always seems to be a crowd at no matter what sporting event you have it can be a, a five-year-old game of uh you know little league versus obviously you know the the stanley cup finals something along those lines i mean what what are sort of 
the the crowds like when it comes to the leagues that you're playing in there and kind of just the participation when it comes to that because again I, I can't picture an american sport just having nobody showing up there there still must be crowds and excitement and everything going on there yeah so so for the most part we're not really playing in arenas or stadiums or anything like that where there is big capacity or they're selling tickets we're mostly playing in public or local rinks but we definitely do catch the eye of, of any other teams or people that are in the rink on that weekend. We try and advertise it a little bit like, hey, this team is playing, you know, there's this big sled hockey tournament this weekend. And we do get people to show up for that. But for the most part, it's a lot of family and friends and then other hockey players that were in the rink that day that saw it or heard about it that are sticking around to watch. So there is there. It's very rare that we do play a game in a completely empty, uh, uh, you know, rink. But but it's not as big as you may think. Uh, but once you get to the national level and you are playing in international tournaments, I mean, in 2019, we played the biggest crowd I'd ever seen. We played uh, the host nation of the Czech Republic in the Czech Republic uh, at one of their at one of their biggest arenas. And we had over 8,000 people in there. And to this day, I think I have permanent, permanent hearing damage because of that game because <laughs> that crowd was the loudest I have ever heard, ever experienced, and I've been to NHL playoff games as a fan, and that arena was 10 times louder. It was insane. Mm -hmm. Ben uh, used to do commentary in the Tasmanian Hockey League, um, and I I can tell you right now, there's no small crowd unless you're in the the Tasmanian Hockey League. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a whole other kettle of his, that one. Uh, Yeah. I took those skills to commentate now, in Canada. Uh, Colin, don't talk down on it too much. Come on. I know. And unfortunately, because of COVID, there was no crowd. So it could be Ben's the yeah. problem. <laughs> Maybe I'm the problem. Crowds just uh, don't ever invite me to one of your games, Jack. You'll lose that 8,000 crowd. <laughs> you know. Oh, we'd love to have you. <laughs> now, uh, the, the last time we uh, talked to a hockey player was uh, Sammy Jo Small from the Canadian women's hockey team. And uh, she she mentioned like when she first knew she made the Olympic team, it was kind of a, a last minute call and everything. Do you remember that moment? Can you tell us a little bit curious through what it was like finding out I'm going to be on the Olympic team? Did you have a heads up going in? Did you know? So my moment that's similar to that was actually when I made the national team in 20. 20- uh, the end of 2016. So it, I had just come off my third season on the development team and I really didn't know. Uh, there was so many good players at that tryouts and I had been expecting to make the national team for the pat like the year prior. And then I didn't make it and then I didn't make it again. So I really didn't know what was going on and I didn't have any confirmation from anybody how my tryouts went or anything like that. But then when I did get that call, um, to the national team, you know, I, I broke down. It, it was unbelievable. Uh, you know, I called my parents, you know, I was actually working at an ice rink coaching a summer camp and pretty much I just ran out and text my boss, like <laughs> I'm leaving for the day. Uh, uh, but, but he knew, he knew what was on stake and, and, and he, he's helped me along the process throughout. So, so he was fine with it. No issues there, but, uh, but no. And then that next season, I was still pretty much at the bottom of the roster but halfway through that season, I kind of exploded and found my game and found my kind of secure spot on the team where I belong, the role I play on the team. So coming into that 2018 year, I was pretty confident that I was going to be on the roster for the Paralympics. Which I can imagine then when you get on that roster and you go into a games where the U.S. are obviously the two-time reigning champs. I mean, uh, you know, 
bit of, bit of pressure, but at the same time, it must be good going in with that confidence level that, hey, we've, we've done this at the last two Olympics, you know, three out of the last four Olympics. I mean, this is something where clearly the US are doing right in. I mean, kind of what was the, the confidence levels amongst the team going into Pyeongchang and, and was it a case of we've got this, we can come away with a, with a gold medal again? Yeah, so our, our expectation is nothing short of being the best in the world at every tournament we go into. Uh, that is our expectation of ourselves, and, and that's how we work, and that's how we train all the time, is to, to, know that we, to know that we're the best, but also to make sure that everyone else knows and to perform like the best at all times. So going into Pyeongchang, we knew we had a potential to win gold. Uh, we had actually just lost in the 2017 world championships. So we had a little blood in our mouth from the past season and, and we wanted it uh, maybe a little more than some other years, but we went in there, you know, ready to take gold. You know, we haven't had a chance to talk to a lot of hockey players on here. And um, you know, one thing that fascinates me, I, I, I rewatched the, um, the, the, the game, the gold medal game this afternoon, and uh, it completely forgot that it had gone to overtime as well. And I, I, I have to wonder about overtime and when you're going into that, like how much more amped up do your nerves get knowing that, okay, we don't have, you know, a full 20 minutes to sort this out. I mean, one goal and you're done. Yeah. So that game was extremely stressful. Obviously they scored early in the first period. Uh, we actually had a roster turnover right before the game. Uh, as far as how it affected me, I was playing forward the entire year. Uh, I actually switched between forward and defense pretty consistently, but that whole year they had had me as a forward. Uh, but then the morning of the gold medal game, they put me on D because two of our players couldn't participate. Uh, but then that kind of flew, flew flipped everyone, you know, into a whole new thing. So we were not performing at our best, the majority of that game. But as far as the third period goes, we were pretty much dominating, uh, but we just couldn't score. But in that game, we scored with about 30 seconds left in the third period. And, you know, that was just, you know, it was a magical moment, but that energy and that momentum carried us into overtime. I think every single guy going into that overtime period knew that we were going to win. I mean, there was just no way after coming from behind and tying it up that we were going to let them even get a shot on net. I think they got, I think they did get one Canada did get one shot on net in the overtime period. But other than that, we had so much energy and, and, you know, we knew we were going to bring it home. I have to ask this question because I know Colin won't, but What's it like being in Canada in in hockey? I was in going to ask that. You were you were going to bring yeah. that up a bit. I've got to, I've got to find this out because you know when we talk to to Sammy, obviously the the heated rivalry between the two nations. We've got the Canadian perspective there, but uh, is does it make it a little bit extra sweeter that you you knocked off you know this great hockey nation of Canada in overtime and and to bring home the gold? No, absolutely, and I and I think it's even a little sweeter in sled hockey because in men's and women's hockey, there's a bunch of other nations that are very prominent and very good and very competitive. But as we've seen the past few years, it's been pretty much us and Canada constantly battling it out for the championships in sled hockey. So we're always seeing them in high, high level games and, and, you know, high stakes games at the same time. So we, you know, we have a huge rivalry with them. There have been plenty of fights with the players on this roster and their roster that are still playing. So there's plenty of stuff that carries over tournament to tournament because we see them over and over and over again. But it is pretty nice being able to consistently beat them. It's a great feeling. I, I just I just wanted to add, I'm just seeing here that the day of the gold medal win was my birthday. So you're welcome to have the luck of the day that I was born 
to win that gold, Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Around then. So, um, no, you are absolutely welcome. You can take that luck and ride. I appreciate with it. that. Thank you so yeah, much. It, it's not going to fall on St. Patrick's Day this year, though, is it? <laughs> no. It might. No. Honestly, we, we're not sure. The Paralympics start on March 4th. Uh, the Winter Paralympics start on March 4th next year. So it's decent chance that it might do it again. might happen again, but probably not. might be a little later in March. And I'm guessing uh, you, you probably are already, you know that you're on the team, but but uh, are there any change-ups that could still happen? Or do you know at this point, okay, you're going to Beijing? Uh, yeah, no. So the roster was uh, selected for this season, but it's a 20-man roster and we have to cut down to 17. Uh, so I was lucky enough, well, not lucky enough, but I, I injured my wrist in the world championships back in June and I did not participate in tryouts, but the coaches, they had no issue, you know, giving me a waiver and waving me into the roster for this season because everyone on the team only has a one-year contract and you, you know, have to try out and, and you need to be able to be at that high level to make the team the next year. So hopefully by the time October runs around, rolls around uh, when we have our first training camp. It's basically the, the tryouts round two uh, where we have a week training camp and then they cut three players. Hopefully I'm not one of those players. I don't think I'm going to be one of those players. I've played a lot of minutes for this team in the past few tournaments and uh, I'm, I'm confident that I won't be, but I mean, you never know things change. So you always got to be training. Like you're one of those guys on the outside. One thing that I always love when it comes to, any sort of Paralympic sport, and particularly, you know, they've had some documentaries in the past about sports, say like, like murder ball and, you know, kind of like, you know, the wheelchair rugby, the wheelchair basketball was just, it's the attitude of the athletes where it's, it's so rough and tumble because it's basically, look, Hey, you know, we're obviously in this unique situation. We're playing this type of sport, but Hey, I've, I've gone through worse, you know, let's go out there and kind of give it their all. I mean, does that make sled hockey even more crazy and physical than standing hockey. And I mean, is this a sport that kind of when it comes to the winter Olympics that people should really be just be paying more attention because it is just such a, I mean, I, I've seen it. It is such an intense sport to watch, but is that how you would sell it to somebody who maybe has never watched sled hockey? You like stand up hockey, take this on board and see how uh, <laughs> more be- much more fun and better it is. Yeah. So, I mean, sled hockey is just as fast and just as physical as all these other sports, uh, especially stand-up hockey. I mean, it brings the same level of intensity to stand-up ice hockey. Uh, But no, you're right. I mean, there's a huge aspect to it that a lot of people might miss that, you know, every single guy on every team has something that they can connect with each other and, you know, went through a really dark period in their life, whether or not that was a disease, whether or not that was um, uh, getting injured in the service of their country or just a traumatic accident like I had, Um, you know, all those things, it, it, you know, it, it, it can be a fuel for a lot of people. And as far as anyone on this team, it definitely is. Uh, so it brings just a next, another level of intensity. You're absolutely right. I think that's one of the things that always fascinates me, um, you know, watching the Paralympics is when you get to see those, those bios on TV, the, the, the personal stories behind the athletes, because I mean, let's be honest, you know, regular Olympians, maybe they have, you know, something going on, but I mean, every single athlete out there on your team has, like you said, some traumatic experience they went through something that brought them and said, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to be an Olympian. I'm going to keep playing a sport no matter what it takes. Absolutely. Before we get, we have a final series of questions that we ask, uh, which uh, is fun. But before we get there, I have to really quickly ask you because I found your bio on, I think this is the Team USA website. And I just have to applaud you because it says, you can confirm if this is the case or not. Your favorite hockey player of all time is Martin Brodeur. Is that right? That is right. Yep. 
Oh, that was like, you know, growing up outside of the Canadian teams, the, the the two teams that I would root for would be the Avalanche and the Devils. Both was because of the goalies and Broder. I'll still say to this day, I don't care who plays. There's probably never been a player, whether they are forward defense or a goalie, no player like Martin Broder. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a, a human being perform the acts he performed. It's, it's unnatural to watch that man play. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and when I grew up playing uh, stand-up hockey, I switched between goaltender and defense. So my two favorite were Scotty Stevens and Marty Brodor. Mm. Uh, watching, you know, Mark Brodor shutout after shutout, making these ridiculous saves or Scotty Stevens, you know, murdering someone on the ice and then getting an assist the next play. Um, you know, that's kind of who I wanted to model my game after, you know, being this, being a big defenseman, but at the same time, uh, you know, get some points every now and again. But yeah, Martin Brodor growing up, he he was he was definitely my role model. I loved watching him play. And actually last year I did an event with the Devils and he works I'm pretty sure he works with the Devils front office at this point. And they actually put me in a room with him. They surprised me oh, getting wow. to meet him. Uh, it was unreal. He gave me a jersey. We talked for a little bit. And it was great because I had my medal with me and I pulled it out and so nonchalantly, you know, obviously being a goat. You know, he just goes, oh, I have a couple of those. <laughs> I was going to say, did he welcome you to the club? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just, you know, he, he checked it out for a second, but, you know, wasn't even phased by it. I mean, that he's won more things than most people ever even watch. So, yeah, loved, loved him, loved watching him growing up. I was going to say, I, I, I'm sorry, I was going to say, I just I saw the picture on your Instagram <laughs> there and, like, just the, the photo there, you just look like a kid in a candy store. And then this is the image of you kind of talking to him. You almost got this like half like, hey, and then you kind of look, oh my God, oh my God, he's right in front of me. What do I say? Yeah. No, I was, they they totally surprised me. I had no idea it was coming. I just walked, they, I thought we were just walking into a green room to like sit down while someone was setting something up or something or an interview or whatever. And then he's just wow. standing there. And I was like, I didn't know what to do at first, but he was a super nice guy, came up, shook my hand, introduced himself, took a, took a little pressure off. But no, it was amazing. It was probably better that you didn't have the heads up because then you just would have been like, what am I going to say? Like 10 minutes beforehand, yeah. <laughs> stumbling over your words. <laughs> Definitely would have been in my head for sure. Well, one thing uh, quick. I was just going to add, yeah, quickly, go ahead. Colin, before we, we get into the, the final questions, I believe you, you tried your hand at uh, going towards a, a summer Olympics as well, sort of had uh, tried uh, some, was it para canoe? Was that sort of what you would try a bit of a, a bit of a hand at? And sort of what was, what was that like to trying to try your hand at that? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been exploring in the past few years, my athleticism and my journey as an athlete uh, with some other summer sports. And, and I really enjoyed uh, para canoe, sprint kayak also as it's known. Uh, I love being outside. I love being on the water. Um, I loved kayaking as a kid, but sprint kayak, if you haven't seen it, it's a single person kayak and it's a 200 meter drag race essentially. Uh, and you're racing right next to everyone else, just kind of like swimming, like the 500 free or something like that, or the 50 free. It's very fast, very intense, addicting to be honest. And, uh, I wanted to do a sport that was that challenged me athletically and also was a good training tool for sled hockey. So that upper body strength and endurance, uh, it, it lends itself well to that. But unfortunately, um, I ended up getting injured training, uh, well, really during a scrimmage in sled hockey, uh, right as I had moved down to Tennessee, I tore my UCL and needed to get Tommy John surgery. So that put me out for a good amount of time. And that coupled with uh, that happened right after the peak of the pandemic, 
So being out of the boat that long, as well as a lengthy recovery process, essentially gave way of any hopes of qualifying for Tokyo. Uh, the scheduling didn't really work out anyway with the uh, with sled hockey having the World Championships get delayed into the summer. So it it might not have even worked out even if I did qualify. Who knows if I even could have gone to some of the races or anything like that. But at the same time, uh, I'm still going to be training and competing in that sport going forward. Uh, and the goal now is to get to the 2024 Summer Games in Paris. I was going to ask if that is still the goal, because as we've constantly heard over the last several weeks, they're only three years away now, Jack. So, uh, I mean, is it, it, I mean, it must be then sort of a, a cool little bucket list achievement, not only to kind of go to a, another Olympics, but I mean, kind of be in that rare club where you can tick off both the summer and the winter and maybe, who knows, add to that rare, even rarer club of, of meddling at both a summer and a winter Olympics. Yeah, so that's the goal. Uh, as far as Tokyo is concerned, I was pretty much at the bottom of the totem pole. So I was looking to just qualify. But with now a three-year run up to it, I'm I'm looking for a podium spot. That's for sure. That's where I'm setting my sights at this point. And there's no way that uh, we'd be talking to you right now if you were in Tokyo. So, I mean, we're, we're glad that you're waiting an extra couple of what years. What are you saying? <laughs> we're in so demand that the athletes take breaks in between there, you know, even in the middle <laughs> of an right. Olympic Games. So just for a race. Hang on a minute, guys. Hold the start. We're going to talk just off the podium. Pause, you know? pa- pause the national anthem for a second. I got an interview to do. <laughs> Uh, I'll just explain our final set of questions here to you. Um, so we actually borrowed this. We've been doing it since we started the show. The uh, the Team Canada website, what they do is they have a set of questions, which is a combination of some sports-related questions and some just fun, random questions. Um, and uh, the athletes fill it out in their own handwriting. We will make you do it in your own handwriting. We don't have that long with you. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <We'll-> <laughs> there are some pictures that are involved. We've had at least one athlete who submitted pictures after the fact. So feel free to do that if uh, if, if you're artistically inclined. But uh, Ben and I will kind of just alternate these back and forth. But the first question, uh, this is just across the board, doesn't even have to be your own, but what is your favorite Olympic moment? Uh, that's tough. Uh, watching, probably watching uh, Michael Phelps win his final medal. That was a really cool moment. Winning his final gold medal. I mean, I was, I really wanted to obviously medal, but watching him do all that and and grow up watching him. I mean, even when I was in the hospital in 2008, the Beijing Olympics were on. So I was watching him win medal after medal after medal. So uh, watching the GOAT go out like that and just continue his dominance. I, I, huge fan of that. Mm. So, so we're saying that if you all of a sudden end up in an event, Michael Phelps just walks into the room too. We're going to have that similar facial expression, and, and <laughs> if you if you have the medal, it's kind of going to be even more so of him going, "Yeah, I've got a a, a few of those." Yeah, yeah just to cover. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and just on that quickly, I always like to ask what uh, our athletes on the show who have won medals do with the medals. What, what where's your medal, Jack? Is it on display? Like, kind of is it in a drawer? Like, what do you like to do with your medal? I think it's sitting on my bed right now. I, I, every once in a while, you got to pull it out for an event and do some stuff with it. But for the most part, it sits in a safe. Uh, other than that, you know, I don't, you know, sleep with it or hang it on the wall or anything <laughs> like that. Maybe I'll do that after I retire or something like that. Yeah. But for right now, it's just, it, I usually just keep it in a safe, nice and nice and secure. Don't have to worry about it because it, by far and away, it's my most prized possession. So I don't want anything to happen to it. I'm, I'm just, I'm always that, that weird person. I think that if I ever won a medal, yeah, I would never take it off. It would be everywhere, just <laughs> yeah. going all that sort of I'm stuff. Surprised. Your um, gets pretty sore. They're pretty heavy. 
Yeah. <laughs> Good training, though, for the other. Maybe you can yeah. work yeah. training too. Um, you already pretty much answered this question. Uh, as a kid, your favorite sports team was? The New Jersey Devils and the New York Giants, for sure. Yeah. Ah, nice. Uh, how about this one? If I could be any superhero, I would be. This would be for you, not me. You don't have to pick mine. <laughs> uh, probably, I mean, Superman. I mean, it's kind of yes. a... He can fly. He has laser eyes. He's super strong. He can do whatever he wants. So, yeah, probably I think Superman. To add to that too, that everybody needs to remember, it's Henry Cavill as well. I mean, he's that the most attractive man on the planet. Like, I mean, yeah. come on, like <laughs> ticking all not the boxes to, not, there. <laughs> not trying to compare myself to him, but uh, my first, well, still to this day, I had a little shorter hair uh, when I first started playing, and sometimes my hair would fall out of my helmet and make a little curl. Right oh, here, nice. and I'm a tall, and I'm a tall, you know, dark-haired man. And everyone <laughs> on the North, on the South Korean team, uh, anytime they'd see me in a hallway at a tournament or anything like that, they'd all would, they'd nickname me Superman. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna look for the, we're gonna look for the curl during uh, Beijing. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, think I'll keep make the hair a long, though, so maybe it won't happen. Yeah, I, I like this. Who knows? Well, I mean, if that's the case, Henry Cavill's often touted as being the next James Bond, Jack. I mean, hey, you know, if you've got those looks and, you know, Superman, who knows? Bond, they, they might they might need you. They might call you up. Yeah. How's your acting? I, I don't think I could compare my acting skills to him. Oh, anything's workable. You can work on that. You can do it. You can go in gold in Beijing, gold in Paris, and then play James Bond. Hey, it's never, you know, never been done before until you. Um. Who are your favorite music artists? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, he, I love country music, but I also love rap and hip hop and stuff like that. So right now at the moment, it would have to be John Bellion, uh, Chris Stapleton, and either Chance the Rapper or Logic. Probably leaning diversity. at this point, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's uh, not usually genres that I still see overlapping. Although when I discovered that country rap was a thing, my mind was blown. So you yeah, know. I don't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do the country yep. in Australia too much. It's sort of like it's yeah. almost like a taboo that you would have be a select thing. But when you're in North America, my goodness, it's everywhere. You can't turn on a radio without hearing. It. I was like, wow, this is this is a thing. <laughs> and you know, it's it's not a question on this one, but it's on some of the other surveys. Do you have like a pump up song? Any of those artists that you use it as a pump up song before you play? Uh, well, funny enough, we actually had Chris Stapleton playing, well, one of his songs during the warm up at our last tournament, but, uh, no, I, I don't really have a specific song that I use. Usually I'll DJ for the team or just have put up, throw on a random playlist to get Zen. Uh, but definitely a lot of rap and hip hop stuff like that pregame to get you amped up, but no real specific song. And is it a case of that? each sort of uh, player gets a turn at, at, you know, putting on the tunes before in, in, the, in the locker room or is it kind of uh, like, no, is it a team that decision? that is not the case at all. No? <laughs> uh, no, definitely not. Because if some guys got to play their music, I think everyone would be upset. Uh, so <laughs> there's, need, no more te- there's no more Team USA, guys. <laughs> yeah, we, need, we, need, uh, we need someone who's going to play a good mix of songs to, you know, kind of suit everybody. Uh, so a, a diplomatic DJ. Well. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Diplomatic DJ. There's a superhero. Diplomatic there you DJ. Go. <laughs> uh, here's an interesting one. If you could eat one food for the rest of your life, it would be buffalo chicken pizza. Oh, oh no hesitation. It is Firing. my favorite. It is my favorite food, far and away. Wow. 
Wow. I have to say, buffalo chicken, again, this part of the world, not a thing, but there I, I, I discovered it's a great food. It should be more of yeah, a thing my, around my the world. Yeah, my teammates make fun of me because I meal prep and pretty much every single day I eat a buffalo chicken wrap for lunch or, you know, <laughs> in between workouts or something like that. It, I pretty much, you know, probably consume a bottle of buffalo sauce yeah, every, every week or something. So. <laughs> there's got to be some... There's, Spokesperson opportunities here, Jack. Why hasn't somebody <laughs> called you up to be the face of a, a buffalo chicken sauce campaign? Come yeah, on, I ain't the gold yeah, medalist. Yeah, I got my agent on it for sure. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> I mean, it took us a while to get you on because you're, you're a very busy man, Jack. So, I mean, come on, the sponsorship opportunity. <laughs> Henry Cavill lookalike, you know, come on. Like, this is this is a marketing dream. Um, where, do you, where is your favourite place to compete? Like the favourite place I've been to compete? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a tough mix between Italy and the Czech Republic, uh, only because, uh, the, uh, the, in Italy you get, we got to go get on a train ride and go to Milan for the day, which is just a beautiful city. But in the same scope, when we went to the Czech Republic, we got to get on a train and go to Prague for the day, which Mm. Prague and Milan, I mean, I don't know which one's better. They were both absolutely amazing. In a couple of years, you might be uh, getting a medal hung over your neck in Italy. I hope so. That's the goal. Uh, here's one. One thing you've always wanted to do is literally anything. Uh, go to space. I mean, ah. I would love oh. to do that. Yes. You're as, like half of these are the, like, this is what I would do. And then it comes out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You're channeling the, the answers there. Um, what is your favorite thing to do in the summer? Um, I mean, traveling is a lot of fun, but I guess more specifically, just, you know, time on a lake, being out on a lake, being out on a boat, all those activities, you know, drinking, having a good time, listening to music, all that stuff next to a body of water, really beach lake. I'm more of a lake guy, but you know, any, any of that, any of those. How about what is your favorite movie? (sighs) That's even harder. Uh, I really, I don't even know if I have an answer to that. Uh, I mean, I love Napoleon Dynamite as a kid. Oh. Uh, Tommy Boy is a classic. Uh, a good, a good suspense one or horror, you know, Prisoners or uh, Get Out. Those are both, you know, both those movies oh, blew my those. mind. But uh, yeah, I mean, so many classics. Braveheart, William Wallace. Obviously, I'm Irish and Scottish, so uh, that's another <laughs> good one. Saving Private Ryan, you know. There's, there's too many in my, you know, top hundred, whatever. I, I watch a lot of movies, so yeah, uh, it's a hard, it's a hard pick. Well, we I will know. say, no, go, uh, Colin, please. I was just gonna say with Napoleon Dynamite. I mean, my, my kids will eat tater tots, and I swear every single time my wife serves them, I just say to her, "You squish my tots." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was gonna do a shameless plug for another show that we host. You might, if you like movies and TV yeah. shows, you might like a show that we're, we're associated with. Uh, it's not very funny, right. but neither is. Neither is this show, but, you know, anyway. Um, now, I'm going to slightly change this question up because the original question, unless you want to answer this one, of course, Jack, but uh, the original question is my favourite place to visit in Canada is, but I'll switch that up. Your favourite place to visit in the US is? Hmm. Favourite place in the US. That's hard. Um... God, there's so many good spots. I don't know. Uh, probably just, I'll throw it as like Tupper Lake, any, any big lake in the Adirondacks, like in upstate New York, 
they're, they're just amazing. Great weather, fun to swim, lots of activities. Beautiful. Uh, what about your favorite cartoon to watch growing up? Oh, that's also tough. <laughs> favorite cartoon as in like at what age here? <laughs> uh, well, let's go as young. Let's go, let's go like five. Probably, probably the classic SpongeBob SquarePants. No, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I picked my son's age and he would have answered the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would have just gone with what's your favorite one to watch now. If you sneakily like yeah. you know, get up on a Saturday yeah, morning well, and maybe put it now on. Now it would probably be uh, probably Avatar, Last Airbender. Oh, seriously. Okay. Well, our other podcast, you can come on. I've been looking for somebody to cover Avatar, The Last Airbender with me for six <laughs> or seven years now. So feel free anytime to let us know what your availability is and we will cover Avatar, The Last Airbender with you. <laughs> Yeah, the Olympics can wait. Um, if you had to do <laughs> karaoke, what would your karaoke song be? Ah, these are some really good questions. Um, what's one that I know every word to? <laughs> and you have to sing it. Uh, <laughs> uh, cold, colder Weather by Zach Brown. Nice. Oh, nice. Nice, yeah. nice. Now, Ben, it's, you have to sing it. It's a slow song, but, but Look, I know every word. I, I've played it a few times. So If, if, if I if I told you my Zach Brown knowledge, uh, you know, I've heard that song, but could I tell you when he's like, no, I, like, there's maybe one song I could maybe sing any lyrics from. So, again, country music. Zach, you, you guarantee you here in Australia, if you mention the word Zach Brown, no one's going to look at you and go, who the hell's that? Uh, it's kind of... Uh, <laughs> You got to be in a certain area of the of the country to know who Zach Brown is. So uh, if he ever wants to get away from the states, away from all the you know the fame, Australia's a place to go. Have you ever seen the Zach Brown band live? I've heard they're like an oh. amazing live band. I might I might actually be going in a in a month or two. They're they're coming down to Nashville, so hopefully I can hopefully I can get take a weekend off or something like that and and get to see him. He's He's one of the top on my bucket list to see live for sure. Mm -hmm. Great city. Can I just say, I had thoroughly enjoyed my time when I went to Nashville and I actually went to the Country Music Hall of Fame and that's where I learned a lot about Zach Brown, funnily funnily enough, there. But uh, can I say, Preds game, one of the best atmosphere of an NHL game I've ever been to. They know how to put on a game of hockey. Absolutely. Uh, So this will be the final question here because the last two are drawings, which, uh, again, feel free to submit them later if you want. I love uh, the drawings on this one you've used here, Colin. Somebody's drawing like literally two two sticks and what look like skates. I don't know what they are. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, well, neither were they. One of the pictures is draw a picture of one of your teammates and it's just the legs of a stick figure. and It says, Laura Stacy, too tall for photo. So they didn't even, they did half a picture here. But uh, we'll give you a proper final question here. If you could be an Olympian in any sport other than your own, which sport would you choose? Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting ones. Uh, Probably the one I'm most jealous of is swimming. I mean... And A, you get to win a bunch of medals if you're really good at it. But I mean, it's so cool. They go so fast in water. It's unbelievable. It's it's fascinating to think that uh, there's a sport where somebody can win like eight gold medals in one Olympics. You know, hockey yeah. players just yeah. look at that. It, and go, it, it hap- I mean, you'd, you'd be surprised. It actually happens a lot in the uh, Paralympics. There's a, a lot mm-hmm. of repeat medalists in the Paralympics, uh, especially in the winter games. Uh, for downhill skiing and Nordic and cross country skiing, because it they can only bring so many athletes. Uh, you basically have to be good enough to do a bunch of events. Mm. So it's not like you have a different runner for the 100, the 400, the 800. The, you know, it's the same athletes going, and and 
uh, I've met him a few times. I actually just did a call the other day with him, Dan Knossen. You know, I think he came home with six, six medals from Pyeongchang. Uh, it's wow. pretty unbelievable that they get to go and do that. It's amazing. Same with Oksana Masters. She won a bunch too. She's a really high profile uh, Paralympian and she's actually another dual sport athlete. Uh, she'll be competing in Tokyo coming up. Which I've just got to say then that, uh, yeah, you know, canoe looking good for, for Paris, but add swimming to the, the calendar. Instead of winning yeah. multiple, got like be, be like Esther Ledecker, just winning all these medals in multiple sports at one Olympics, <laughs> you know, like yeah. add athletics in there, you know, get into wheelchair rugby, just kind of do all these extra sports, Jack. Rhythmic just, gymnastics, you know? Rhythmic gymnastics. I'm Bring out Michael Phelps and be like, in your face. <laughs> <laughs> it would kind of work that way. Jack, before we let you go, um, where can people follow your journey, kind of stay up to date with what you're doing, social media, any other sort of websites or anything else you'd like to to plug before we uh before we let you go yeah so just across all social media instagram twitter tiktok all that good stuff uh, tiktok jay yes. wallace yeah jay wallace <laughs> underscore usa uh that's me i'm, I'm gonna jump i've never used tiktok in my life but uh, i mean you know i think you're our first athlete to say you're on tiktok so hey you're pretty uh, bored pretty bored during the pandemic so over here so <laughs> i had to do something so i started doing tiktok <laughs> Uh, Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here and great hearing about a sport that we've never actually been able to talk about before. Uh, and uh, Ben can uh, vouch for me on this. When my team loses, I end up rooting for the team that beats me. Technically, you beat my team Canada in the last Olympics. So going into Beijing, I mean, we'll be looking for you. We'll be rooting for you. We'll be hoping you bring home another gold and we'll be looking for the Superman curl. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. you again to jack um and i i think we just we're a little bit removed from the uh the tokyo paralympics here but uh, i'm already getting excited forget about just beijing you know uh regular stand-up hockey i'm already getting excited for sledge hockey especially after re-watching that game earlier today like uh and and i'll, I'll just say this i mean you're only listening to the audio of this but you look at this guy and i mean he he looks like he could be superman i don't know if just talking about the, the the curl and everything like that this guy's built like superman I mean, <laughs> we we keep interviewing these people and i i i finish the interview i'm like what have i done with my life like these people yeah. are so much better than me <laughs> well i was going to say lucky jamie didn't walk in the room because i, I know. think kind of, you know you would have been you would have been screwed there but you know i, I was just thinking that it's like you know, we often get all our guests on the show and we always have that bit of a, oh, you know, look, look what are we doing with our lives? We're, we're interviewing Olympians who've had amazing lives. But then you've kind of got this incredibly attractive Olympic gold medalist staring us in the face and we're like, okay, yeah. So um, just sitting in our bedrooms, uh, you know, interviewing <laughs> Olympians and uh, he's about to go to a second Olympics, possibly a third in Paris, uh, you yeah. know, meeting NHL players, going to concerts, just uh, being referred to as Superman by people. It's like, yeah, cool. All right. Well, we hope we get one listener. So that's that's where we're feeling today. So, um, yeah. Wow. But, yeah, I mean, that was great. Uh, and I, I know we got a whole bunch of interviews. We've ramped up our interviews. We are doubling down. We don't know, maybe even tripling down at this point. We probably don't even have a calendar for what's coming up, but – if people have been listening, they know that, um, well, there's lots coming out right now. We're going to continue to have more. We easily have enough to get us to Beijing and some other episodes in the middle there as well. Yeah, which is exciting because, 
you know, all the interviews that we've we've had so far and all the ones we're still to come, you know, they're they're all equally as great and got some great content. We're learning a lot about the sports, so many sports that we haven't covered before. Obviously it's a goal of ours to get somebody on from every single Olympic sport. And also the behind the scenes ones too that we've had recently as well, kind of very fascinating into all angles of the Olympics. So we're always open to ideas from people out there who maybe want to shoot us through a, a an idea for an interview, a style of episode, anything along those lines. I mean, we've talked a lot about a variety of different episodes when it comes to, say, uh, obviously we did a Paralympics episode, a sports episode, talking about the sports. But we've got one coming up by the end of this year, which uh, I teased with uh, Jared at one point, sort of a, a ranking the the medals, which, I mean, it sounds so geeky and ridiculous. I mean, again, we just spoken to Jack Wallace, this guy who, you know, just is just everything at his feet, and here we are about to rank Olympic medal designs. So uh, that, that <laughs> sums up our life. But uh, things like that that will be coming up and plenty of content to, to keep everyone entertained, or both our listeners, until Beijing. So, um, yeah, watch this space, Colin. Watch it, literally. I want you to sit there and just keep watching it. Don't move am, your eyes. <laughs> I am watching, okay? Just get off my back. Um, but, uh, yeah, there'll be, there'll be lots more to come. And I I will give a little uh, peek behind the curtain here as well. Uh, I don't know if it's aired at this point. Chloe Esposito, is that one gone up yet? That, that, that has aired. That was, you, you, you told me how good you loved it, Colin. I was, I was saying I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. Yeah, you're doing well. Yeah, clearly. But, uh, maybe the greatest, no, no disrespect (laughs) to Jack or anyone else. Maybe, you know, the one royalty we've had on this show and you're like, oh, has that aired yet? Like, wow, left an impact on you. I was just going to say when uh, you did the Chloe Esposito interview and uh, you sent us a, a nice little screenshot there that included a notebook that said ranking the medals. <laughs> I kind of joked. I'm like, so she gets to rank it. So we've been cut out of the picture here, Jerry. Well, that's, gonna, that's, we, Jack's going to come back and rank the Supermans and I'm out. Well, I mean, that's legitimately what we got on. We're like, Chloe, cool. You want to go medal? Great. So what do you think of the Sydney 2000 medal design? <laughs> do you like the blue ribbon? Do you like how it works? I mean, that's the only reason we get these athletes on it's not to talk about their careers it's a let's rank the ioc presidents um (laughs) there's an episode to do (laughs) what was your favorite fly in a closing ceremony (laughs) (laughs) which country that boycotted in 1980 would have topped the medal tally Uh, but yeah, as you've been hearing, there's going to be uh, plenty to come. So just keep an eye on our Facebook, keep an eye on our Twitter, keep an eye on our Instagram. You can even hear little excerpts from the interviews on Instagram. So if you're not sure you want to hear uh, somebody speak and then you hear that excerpt and you're like, wow, that sounds like the greatest interview ever. I'm totally going to listen to Chloe Esposito rank the medals. Then, you know, you can listen to Chloe Esposito rank the medals. I'm going to listen uh, to Chloe Esposito rank the Chloe Espositos. That's my episode. <laughs> Coming soon to Off the Podium. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you can find us and uh, continue watching for all the upcoming episodes as we go all the way up to Beijing, uh, Olympics and Paralympics. So it's it's coming up very soon. It's creeping up much quicker than I thought it would be. Uh, Only a six-month layoff, so that happens. Ben, thank you very much for joining me to talk to Superman here today. And thank you, Colin, for letting me to talk to Superman. It was a pleasure for you to give me that permission. Uh, I don't know, I'll send it, I'll send it there. I've left like, him speechless. We don't, have my na- <laughs> like, we don't have my name is, so. <laughs> just, just, here's a tip for you, kind of on a trend from recent episodes. Say, my name is Colin Hilding and go left. There you go. You'll get the joke one day. <laughs> my name is Colin Hilding and go left? Go left.